Today we're going to discuss whether capitalism has failed. And if you understand this point that I'm going to make in this video, that I think you'll understand the economy better than almost anyone you know. And so first I'm going to talk about a basic principle, and then I'm going to talk about how that translates into how the Federal Reserve violates this basic principle and the resulting distortion in the economy and how it's a major driver of inequality, perhaps the major driver of inequality. So if you care about wealth inequality and you don't have a deep understanding of what this has to do with the Federal Reserve, then keep watching because there's so much misunderstanding about this point. But before I get started, please subscribe. You can always unsubscribe later. And one thing I can almost guarantee is that in the next few years, in one way or another, there will be some crazy things happening in the economy and in the financial markets. And you only get a heads up with my new comments if you subscribe. I'm Ken Balso. I'm a CFA charter holder. I spent my career on Wall Street and in the financial markets, and I do this podcast to analyze and comment on financial and economic issues in terms that can be understood by everyone, even if you're not a financial professional. There's a very basic economic principle. This is basically, this is an economics 101 principle, and it is that prices are how we decide how to allocate resources in the economy, interfering in the natural market price mechanism will create distortions. So I use this example. Let's say dentists started to earn $10 million a year. So that would be telling us something. There's information in that price. One is that society is demanding the service that dentists are providing, right? This is something society really needs. And the other bit of information is that there's not enough supply of dentists. So a reasonable outcome of the cost of dental services going up so high would be that more people would look at how much money they could earn by being a dentist and would go to school for being a dentist and society would get more dentists. So this would accomplish a couple things. Society would get more of the things it's demanding, right? And also supply of dentists would go up and the price would go down. Okay. It's not an instantaneous reaction. It requires some bit of a lag because people observe what the prices are. Then people have to go to school and be trained and have to Go into the uh, go into the economy, but uh, but this is how the price mechanism will work to allocate resources in society. The same thing that we're talking about, right? So I know you might think this is boring and basic, but this is this is very fundamental. And there, I will be able to find examples that you don't agree with, actually, too. So now, if people were to complain about the cost of dentists to the government. And the government says this is a basic human right to get our to get uh, dental hygiene, and we will not allow any dentist to charge more than fifty dollars. Okay, so this will have a number of effects. One is, of course, that the people who go to the dentist will will pay a lower rate. That that is true. That is the intended purpose, and that is true that that will happen. The other, th the the main thing that will happen is. In the previous example where dentists were making a lot of money, there was a supply response where more and more people became dentists and society got more of what it demanded, right? But in this case, the supply response never happens because the price is capped at a rate that is below the market price. And so fundamentally, in, in economic terms, this will create a shortage. And that shortage will be shown because uh, because at $50, there are not enough people willing to supply the service that, uh, that the economy demands. So 
That might mean that you have to wait months in order to get an appointment. It might mean that uh, you will have to illegally pay a higher price to the dentist in cash, which is closer to what the real market price would be. It might mean that people pay bribes to the person who's in charge of creating the schedule book to see who can get in there the fastest. And so this is fundamental, right? Market crack, mar market caps create shortages. Okay, so this is no particular insight. So now when someone suggests that capitalism has failed, what capitalism means to me is that market sets prices better than a person or a committee. And we just saw in my little dentist example, plus in the next video, that I'm going to do is that interfering in this market price creates distortions. What does the Federal Reserve do? The Federal Reserve intervenes in the market price of money to set the price of money itself. Money is the one commodity that touches all businesses at every stage in the production cycle. So the price of money is interest. If you want $10,000 per year, it's going to cost you whatever the interest rate is. So if the interest rate is 5%, it'll cost you $500. And so the Fed cuts interest rates to avoid recessions, right? We, the, the Fed hopes to avoid a recession. Typically, when it sees the economy starting to turn down, it will cut interest rates. And in this way, we will get a benefit. The benefit is that the downturn that we were expecting won't come right now. This is natural to ask, if we get a short-term benefit, is there a cost? As most things in life, right, if we get a benefit now, there is a cost to it. And that cost is that we should have had an adjustment, right? The economy, maybe people had previously borrowed and spent too much, or for many reasons, maybe they just needed to save more money, economic activity slowed down. There was an adjustment that needed to be made Federal Reserve intervenes in the price of money and doesn't allow that adjustment to be made. And what that means is the adjustment is postponed and even requires a larger adjustment later. Okay, so if it's true that interfering in the market price creates distortions, which in Economics 101 is one of the first things that they will teach you, and I believe is true, right? So if you believe that this is true and you, and you don't, and you forget about everything else I say, you do have to ask yourself, what distortion is created by the Fed intervening in the market price of money, right? If interfering in the market price causes distortions, what distortions are created by the Fed intervening in the market price of money? And now we're getting to the good stuff. Asset prices are sensitive to interest rates, right? So think about buying a house. You know that if you have $800 a month to spend, that you can spend a lot more money on a house if your mortgage interest rate is 2% versus 10%, right? So for the same mortgage payment. So when mortgage rates go down, this tends to raise the price of houses. And it's not just real estate. It's the stock market and lots of other assets. And who owns these assets? Rich people. Wealthy people own these assets, right? Wealthy people own real estate. Wealthy people are more likely to own shares in the stock market. And the more wealthy you are, the bigger your investment portfolio is, the more you disproportionately benefit when the Fed is trying to cut interest rates in order to stop the economy from going into a recession. Right, so this is what happened with Greenspan, Greenspan after the tech bust. He cut rates for too low for too long. It fueled a major housing boom. 
In my pre previous video with Stan Druckenmiller, he points out that every bust is preceded by too loose monetary policy. In this case, that's what I'm talking about with the Federal Reserve. So what I'm asserting here is that the Federal Reserve is a major factor in driving inequality. And I think by far the biggest factor that is not a natural factor. We don't need the Fed to figure out what interest rates to charge, right? What the Fed does is sets the price of overnight interest rates. If the Fed didn't intervene, the banks would charge an interest rate based on supply and demand. So supply and demand of what? It would be supply of savings versus the demand for loans, right? So if there are a lot of people saving money, deposits go up and there's the low demand for loans, then the banks would reduce their interest rates in order to making in order to make depositing money less attractive and borrowing money more attractive and vice versa. Right? So whenever the market booms, the share of income going to those at the very top increases. And when it goes bust, then the shares will drop somewhat. But ultimately, we never want to take the adjustment. So we keep pushing that necessary adjustment further and further down the road. And the share of people who own most of the assets disproportionately benefit. So this is how I framed capitalism. I framed capitalism as it's about market setting prices. But let's look at what the International Monetary Fund says, calls the pillars of capitalism. They say it's founded on the following pillars. The first is private property, so straightforward enough. Two, self-interest, just really the observation that people act in pursuit of their own good. Next is competition, which is great in consideration with self-interest because, of course, this is what stops someone from just charging any price they want is that there'll be someone else who's willing to do a particular job uh, for less. Next is a market mechanism, okay? Just like the dentist with the market mechanism I showed. So in this case, I think what the Federal Reserve does is in violation of this principle that it's a market mechanism since the Fed sits around a table with other Fed board members and decides what the price of money should be. Next is freedom to choose. And lastly is a limited role of government. Now, again, I would argue the Fed violates this principle of a limited role of government. Even though the Fed is a quasi-public-private entity, they still operate under the authorization of Congress. Uh, the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. It's, this isn't even a way that we've done things for hundreds, let alone thousands of years. This is a, a government that Congress created. They are quote-unquote independent, but even Greenspan said independence is not assured. Congress could come in and change the rules sometimes. So it's, it's quasi-governmental. So I consider the behavior of the Fed to be a major violation of the principles of capitalism. And because, and because of the Fed, because of how I just, what I just laid out as to how the Fed interferes in the price of money, we have a disproportionately large financial system. We have a distorted economy. We're burdened with debt that we wouldn't have otherwise. And we have massively exacerbated the inequality in our society. So if these points are central to anyone's opinion that capitalism has failed, then I'm saying that the Federal Reserve is producing these things by violating the principles of capitalism. In the last bust, a lot of people said, I would hear this all the time, sometimes the market requires the government to intervene. I disagree with this. 
The Federal Reserve was the main driver in creating the conditions that led to the last bust and the major failures we had. General Motors, AIG, bailing out the financial system, and also a huge driver of wealth inequality. So that's my definition of what I think capitalism is and what I think is a major point that I very infrequently hear uh, argued uh, well. And if you've got a different definition or you've got a different view, then please post it in the comments below. Thanks.